All right, all right. Hey, would you all help me out one more time? Get as loud as you can. Help me welcome anyone who's a first-time guest, as well as anybody joining us on live stream this morning. Come on, we're glad you're with us. And I'm really excited to dive into week four, part four of our Running with the Giants series. This thing is going by quickly. Before you know it, we'll be in our Summer at True Life series, and we have some really exciting stuff planned for you during uh, that series. Before we get into that, I want to just tell you about uh, a new resource that is available for you at the info desk today. Um, it's a, a new book written by Pastor Chris Hodges, who is one of my favorite people on planet Earth. I've learned as much from this guy as anybody that I can think of. And he's spent several years uh, studying uh, biblical perspective on the topic of depression. And I think this is a, a topic that gets glazed over in church way too often and has stigma attached to it in spiritual circles. And uh, I, if you have struggled with depression, I just want to validate you this morning and say this is a real thing. Mental health is a real thing. Come on, say amen, somebody. And, um, and so he's written a fantastic book on kind of what the Bible has to say about it and, and some things that might help you from Scripture called Out of the Cave, Stepping into the Light When Depression Darkens What You See. And I know Pastor Chris's story that this is something he's walked through himself. And uh, it's uh, something even in this last year with all the isolation and things of COVID, I've even dealt with on some, on some personal levels. And so uh, I know there are varying degrees of that, varying degrees of severity that people have to deal with. I think everyone experiences depression at some point in your life. For some of us, this is a battle that is just really hard to win. And uh, so we want to resource you and equip you. This is at the info desk. Um, you've heard me say this before, but I'll, I'll just always want to reiterate when we sell something at the info desk, our heart is never to make money. We sell everything there at cost. Our heart is to find things that we think will help resource and equip you. And if money is ever the reason that you would not take the resource, you can have it. Just take it, all right? Um, technically, you already paid for it anyway. That's how we got it there, all right? So, um, in fact, I had somebody today walk up. I was standing near the info desk, and somebody stopped by and said, hey, I need this. And I said, like, you're buying it or you just need it? And they were like, I just need it. And I said, take it get out of here, go. And uh, so I'm ser- like, I'm serious. We really mean that. Um, and, and so we'd love for you to get that resource if you need it, along with all the other ones that we have available out there. And then I don't know if there's room left for this or not. When I uh, looked this morning before coming to church, our Meet the Leaders luncheon had, I think, five or six spots open. Uh, somebody told me on their way out of the early service, we just signed up. We wanted to make sure we got a spot. Uh, June 6th at 1 p.m. This is for people who have started attending True Life sometime over the last six months to a year, and you just haven't made a connection yet, and you're trying to figure out, like, am I really all about this place or not, and uh, what do I think of those leaders? And, and so my wife and I and our paid staff uh, will be with you if you uh, come to this. It'll be less than 20 people total, so we're keeping it intimate. We will have a good meal because we don't play around with food at True Life. That's one of our core values. All right, so uh, Sunday, June 6th, 1 p.m., you can sign up at truelife.church forward slash meet the leaders. If it's full and if it goes well, we'll offer another one. So don't, don't worry if there's not a spot for you available, but you probably should hurry if you want to be a part of this because I think it's close to, uh, to maxing out. And I know some of you are like, well, I don't want to be the one to take the last spot. Yes, you do. Just take it, all right? Just, uh, just, just take it. Somebody has to be the one, so it might as well be you, right? So, uh, and then and we'll get the next person in at the next one. So um, excited to jump into the content today. Come on, we've been looking at Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, this is a reference back to chapter 11, which uh, we call the Hall of Fame of Faith, all these great heroes of our faith who are now a part of this cloud of witnesses. They're cheering you on. They're cheering me on. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us 
run with perseverance. So it's, it's, a, it's not a sprint, it's a marathon. We're going to have to make it. The race marked out for us. So God has a race marked out for you. He has a calling for you. He has something he wants to accomplish in you. And this series is all about looking at these heroes and seeing what we can learn from them, what they can offer to us to help us run our race. I don't know about you, but I want to finish my race, right? Like, I want to finish my race. I want to do what God has called me to. And for most of this week, I thought I was going to talk to you today about John the Baptist. Um, in fact, I had a whole outline that I was working on in my, uh, my journal, my handwritten notes, and was just about to move that into the typed version, my computer, and send it to our tech guys when I just kind of felt a tug in my heart to a different character for this weekend. So uh, either that was the Holy Spirit or too much chips and salsa. Either way, I'm not talking about John the Baptist uh, this weekend. That was supposed to be funny, y'all. He's, um, and so I want to talk to you about a guy in, the, in your Bible who we've actually talked about here in the past. In the, he shows up in the Old Testament revival, a guy by the name of Joseph. And um, some of you might even be old enough to remember a movie called Joseph in the Technicolor Dreamcoat. And so uh, if you want to age yourself by saying, hey, I know about that, that's okay. Uh, so jo- Joseph is this guy in the Bible who uh, he was his dad's favorite. The rest of his family didn't really like that. Uh, he did have this coat of many colors. If he grew up in church, you've no doubt heard the story of Joseph multiple times. And he's a guy that God gives these great dreams to and tells him, hey, you're going to be a man of incredible influence. Uh, You're going to have a lot of authority. You're going to have a lot of power, a lot of leadership. And in his youth, I think Joseph, probably the only mistake he makes is how he shares that news with other people. Uh, And and I, I think about Joseph and I think like if I were Joseph and God gives me this great vision, this great dream of what my life is going to become, you kind of start thinking like, well, that's going to happen quick then, right? Like he gave me this picture of what my life is going to become, so let's go. Let's get ready for it. So if I have this dream like Joseph has, then I'm planning out like, you know, Joseph TV Ministries or, you know, Joseph's YouTube channel. I'm thinking like, I'm Joseph, I'm going to plant my church and tomorrow it's going to be 5,000 people, right? Like he's just, like whatever I do, it's going to succeed, it's going to be big. I think that's kind of how Joseph, that's how I would have felt if I were Joseph, but if you know his story... That's not at all how it went. In fact, Joseph's story has a lot of pain. Joseph's story has a lot of ups and downs before he finally sees the dream fulfilled in his life. And so if Joseph could step out here on the platform with us today and we could say, hey, Joseph, share one of the big lessons you learned. What's one of the big themes of your life? And there's so many we could learn from Joseph about his character and his integrity. But I think the, the one for today is he might say, hey, when your life isn't going the way you thought it would, when it's not going the way you planned. Anybody ever been there? When, when things aren't going the way you thought they would go, I, I've heard it said this way, that disappointment lives in the gap between expectation and reality. Disappointment lives in the gap between expectation and reality. And some of us are, we're in the gap right now. Like you thought it would look like this, or you thought it would happen a lot faster, or you thought it would be a lot easier, you thought it would be a lot more fun, and reality has just given you something different. And so I think Joseph would say say today, hey guys, it didn't go the way I thought it would go. But don't give up on the dream God gave you. Don't give up on the dream God gave you. Let's look at it. Joseph says, in, in Genesis chapter 37, verse 5, 
that he had a dream. And he, and he told it to his brothers, and they, they hated him. They already didn't like him because he was his dad's favorite. Then he shares this dream with them, and they hate him all the more. So I, I just, I wonder, like I think Joseph's brothers, they're probably a little bit dysfunctional, but I also I suspect that Joseph in his youth is all like, hey guys, God talks to me. Hey, what's up? God tells me stuff. Oh, he doesn't tell you stuff? Aw. I just, I just suspect that maybe Joseph in his youth Maybe he doesn't handle this with the, all the maturity that he could. And, and he says to them, hey, I mean, I just want you to picture this. Hey, brothers, gather around. I'm going to tell you this cool dream I had. Listen to this dream I had. We're, we're binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed out to it. Isn't that awesome? And his brothers are like, yeah, it's really awesome. And then when Joseph walks away, they're like, here's the dreamer. They said to each other, come now, let us, let's kill him. Come on, this is a really good family, really happy family, you know. No dysfunction here at all. Come on, this is, this is one of the things that happens when you read the Bible is you start going like, oh, that's, that's not just my family. Okay, we're all, there's, it's always been a little crazy. They say, let's kill him, we'll throw him into one of these cisterns and say, that a ferocious animal devoured him. They're saying, well, we'll tell dad that he got eaten by an animal. And then we'll see what comes of his dreams. Well, they don't kill him, but they do take him and throw him into a pit, and they sell him into slavery, and he gets drug off into a foreign land. And um, Joseph has to go through a lot of ups and downs and a lot of pain and a lot of disappointment. He gets wrongly accused of things, he gets forgotten. I mean, just about everything you could think of to derail a person from the dream God gave them, Joseph has to go through. And so I think if Joseph could give us kind of one statement today, it would be that don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't give up on the dream God gave you. Don't give up on the dream God gave you. I think he would... In fact, I would think he would phrase it to us in a few different ways. I think he would say, don't give up, even if you got off to a rough start. Even if you stumbled out of the gate. I remember uh, when we were planting True Life Church. Our church is nine years old. That's just so weird to me to say that out loud. It's nine years. We're working right now to plan our 10-year anniversary next February, and that, I just don't, and I just, I don't know, something about, maybe I'm wrong on this, there's something about once you start celebrating anything in double digits, you just old, right? Like, I have a teenager, that means I'm old. Church is going to be 10, I'm old. I've been married 20 years, old, right? Anybody else feel that? That's just how, maybe I'm wrong, but that's how I feel. Nine, nine years, Nine years. And um, I remember when we started the church, we, we worked with an organization called ARC, Association of Related Churches, which you all invest in when you're generous with your giving here. We invest in church plants all over America and really all over the world. We get to serve pastors and leaders, and it's a privilege, and you're reaching lost people in cities that you don't even realize you're doing it in. It's just an awesome thing. And the organization, just all it exists for is to train church planters and to give them a workable model that will help them get a church launched and off the ground. And one of the things they hammered into us, 
during training, I'll just never forget, they hammered it into us, hammered it into us, hammered it into us, is, is this idea of launching big. Launch big. You want to get as many people as you possibly can to your very first service because only about half of them are going to come back and you need to be at least 200 for your church to be self-sustaining, for it to be able to pay its own bills and your, your pastor not to have to go work 10 jobs and all that kind of stuff. Like, like, you need to be at at least 200 people. And so I just remember that was hammered into us. And so we worked hard. We built this launch team. And uh, we spent all this money. I think we spent about $75,000 on advertising and these mailers that went out to, that's a tiny budget now. But back then, uh, that nine years ago, that was a lot to spend on advertising and and, and so we send these mailers out and to everybody's mailbox and all this stuff. And we're, we're getting ready to launch February 12, 2012. And the other thing they tell you is there's two times of the year that are the best times to launch a church. One is at the beginning of the year because everybody's thinking uh, New Year's resolution and get my life straightened out and new habits and all that. The other time is the fall because people are getting back into school, back into the rhythms, back into the routines. Those are, in fact, we, those are the two biggest growth seasons we have here as a church. We always grow up to Easter, and then uh, this year we've grown past Easter because of people coming back from COVID, but then we always see another big growth spurt uh, in the fall. And, and so we had chosen February, and, and now I get to coach other pastors, other church planters, and they come to me and they say, hey, what's something you learned? What's something I should be thinking about? And I'll say, well, are you planting around here? <laughs> if so, you need to be aware of this thing called winter. It's real. It exists. So I, like I knew we got to have 200 people. And um, so we, we launched February 12th. And actually 2011 into 2012 wasn't a crazy winter. Uh, it had been pretty mild leading up to our launch. But wouldn't you know, February 11th, the day before we launched, what's it do that night? Oh, yeah, it snows. It wasn't a great big old snow, but it's enough because people around here freak out when it snows. Um, some of y'all around here in, the, in, in winter weather drive like, Florida people, when I lived in Florida, they just, their brains just melt when it starts raining. Like they just forget how to drive. They just don't know how to drive. And, um, and that happens, come on, y'all know, around here in the winter, people are just like, <laughs> they just don't, they don't know what they're doing. And um, so it snows the night before, and then February 12th, launch day, sets records for how cold it is and how windy it is. Wind gusts, 40 miles an hour on launch day, and we had bought this, um, this canopy. So we're, we started in the movie theater that's now on Main Street in Newark, down on Main Street in Newark, and, and some of y'all have been there, and you're like, oh, that's beautiful. No, it wasn't back then. That we, we started before it was beautiful, all right? We, we started having church there when you'd walk in, and it'd be like, hey, we've roped off some chairs because the ceiling's falling down above those. Don't sit there. Come on. I mean, we could have used it, I guess. We could have been like, you should probably get saved because something might fall on you and kill you right now. We, we didn't do that. I mean, it was, it was rough. And we couldn't use the lobby as the main entrance because we had turned that into our nursery. So we would come every weekend. We'd put these mats on the floor because you didn't want kids walking on that floor. We'd put these mats down on the floor. We'd turn that into our nursery. And then there was these double doors over to the largest theater, metal doors that were really emergency exits, but we would open them up, put this canopy over them to try to create an entrance. And so it's launch Sunday. We're popping breakers, trying to brew coffee. And um, our, can our canopies, as some of y'all remember. So our canopy's up. And I'm, I'm hanging out with a couple pastor friends who'd flown up from Florida to support us on our launch day. And we hear this gust of wind. And then we hear this 
and we walk outside, and our canopy had been picked up, flipped over, snapped off all the legs. Y'all, that canopy was $400. Now, $400 now is not that big a deal, but $400 when you're a church planter, that's everything. That's, it took us, I'm not kidding, it took us six months to afford a new canopy. Six months to get a new $400 canopy. And so I'm just thinking, we gotta, we gotta have all these people, we gotta launch big, we have our very first service, we're in a 435 seat uh, movie theater auditorium, and 100, including kids, and including our serve team, 128 people come to the very first service at True Life Church. And I got up to preach and I thought, I better hit a home run because this might be the last one. I did. I thought, we're in trouble. We didn't get 200. We're not going to pay the bills. I don't, I don't know how this is going to work. And then we attracted a whole bunch of college kids. They got everything but money. You know what I'm saying? You're like, I need y'all to tithe. And they're like, Here, I got a quarter. I mean, they're just like, they got nothing. 128 people. God gave us a little hope that day. Out of 128 people, 27 made a decision to follow Jesus for the very first time. That was a pretty, that's a, that's a high percentage. That's a very high percentage. And, um, and then for almost four years, we met in that movie theater, and we really never grew. Uh, the biggest weekend we ever had was one, I think it was our third Easter. 165 people came. The next Easter, we shrunk. And so it just felt like every time we got momentum, and I, to the point that I, Amanda and I would have some conversations like, what's wrong with us? Are, do we, are, we, are we bad leaders? Why, is, is God not blessing this? Are we, are we doing something wrong? But we always knew this is what God told us to do, so we just stayed faithful to it. In fact, I'm going to give you something that might help some of you right now. If God's asked you to do something, I just decided, I heard somebody say this to me, and I just locked it into my heart. The model that works is the model you work. And so we just kept working it. We just kept working the vision. We just kept grinding, hoping that one day God would do something, that a miracle would happen. Um, and then we got a call one day. Hey, the movie theater's closing in like two weeks. And I, we were like, that's it. I don't know what's going to happen. And um, just really out of pure desperation, we reached out to a commercial real estate agent. We had no money, you guys. We were only paying like $1,200 a month. I don't think we were even paying that much to meet in the movie theater. We had no money. We had saved up some, and I think we had like fifty dollars or $60,000 that we had saved up in the bank. And this was the first building we looked at and the only building we looked at. And thank God for um, the relationship he gave us here and uh, an owner who was willing to roll the dice on a church, because I don't know if you know this, but in the, in the commercial real estate world, churches are risky. They're risky. It's sad, but a lot of them don't manage money well. And, and I can't even say we were, I mean, we were biting off way more than we could chew. We went from $1,200 a month to 5000 something a month. We, we signed this lease, and we were just like, God, you better do something. Um, util- we had never had to pay our own utilities, none of that. And um, signed this lease here, opened officially 
on Valentine's Day 2016. Some of y'all remember that? And our church doubled that day, 242 people. Valentine's Day 2016. Y'all, this weekend, if it follows the trends that we've been tracking, it's a holiday weekend, so we'll probably be off a little bit, but there's, just, there's about right at 500 of you now who gather every weekend to worship. Over, it's so cool. Over, over 800 on Easter. I'm asking God for 1,000 at Christmas. Uh, not because I need big numbers, because I want to reach lost people. And every number is a story. Every number is a soul. And um, I, I know I'd, I'd freak my team out if I said all of it up here this morning, but we've piloted Saturday night services. We know they work. We think we can do five or six services a weekend in this building and grow to, I don't know, 1,500 or 2,000 people before we add another campus somewhere. It's going to be fun. I want to ch- do church like they do McDonald's, only not gross. <laughs> like one on every corner, but not gross. Come on, y'all, you with me? <laughs> Anywhere you go, but not gross. We didn't start that well. The picture we had in our hearts of what True Life Church was going to look like, we didn't see it. Really, even just until like 2018, 2019, it was starting to get fun. And then COVID stole it from us. That was the hardest part of this last year for me, is I was like, really, God? Like, it was just... Starting to be, and I, I, can I, I just want to tell you, it's all full circle now. I'm having more fun right now than I've ever. In fact, my family's got vacation coming up, and I'm like, I don't really want to go. I'm having fun. I mean, I'm going, but I'm having fun. <laughs> if you had a rough start, don't give up on the dream. Maybe you had a rough start that had nothing to do with, like, the circumstances. Maybe you just messed up. Maybe you blew it. I got news for you. The Apostle Paul is somebody you can relate to. He writes to Timothy, and he says, I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has given me strength, that he considered me faithful, appointing me to his service, even though, Paul says, I had a rough start. I was once a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man. Paul was literally going around killing Christians because he believed their faith was Heresy and false doctrine. So he'd find, he'd hunt down Christians and he'd just kill them. Come on, y'all. How many think that's a bad start to your ministry? If we're all like, hey, welcome to true life. That's Paul's ministry. That's how Paul starts his ministry. He's like, hey, come here. I mean, he's just like, he's taking people out. But he was shown mercy. He has this supernatural encounter with Jesus where Jesus says, hey, man, why are you persecuting me? I'm, this is real. This is the real deal. It changes Paul forever. He becomes probably the most influential missionary in the history of the human race. Writes two-thirds of your New Testament. He says, I was shown mercy because I had acted in ignorance and unbelief. Paul says, I had a rough start, but God still used me. Come on, say Amen. Had a rough start, but God still, I think Joseph would say, don't give up. Even if you get off to a rough start, don't give up. Even if you've been betrayed. Anybody ever been hurt by somebody who wasn't supposed to hurt you? I mean, jo- Joseph's own brothers. It's his own brother. Have you ever noticed how the deepest wounds can come from the people who were supposed to be protecting you? They were supposed to be looking out for you. 
they're supposed to have your back. Some of the pastors I get to encourage and serve, they, they have deep wounds because they've poured their life out into other people, shepherding them, sacrificing their, their own wants and needs, and then people turn on them. It hurts. It hurts. Some of us have been, Joseph has betrayed. Some of you have been, been betrayed. You've been hurt by someone. And it's not fun. I remember back to before we started the church, when we started the launch team, we, we had um, had a handful of families that while we were living in Jacksonville, Florida, yes, we left Florida to come to Delaware. I know you all think we're crazy, but we like it better here. We, we were getting ready to come here, and so we were talking on the phone with a handful of friends that we had living in this area, and we are like, hey, we think God's telling us to do this. This is what we want to do. And they're like, yes, come. We'll help. We'll be a part of that. We can't wait for you to get here. And so I remember talking to man, I'd be like, hey, we got people. We're going to have a team. We can do this. So we sold everything we could sell, packed the truck, cash out the retirement, move to plant a church, had our first meeting with all them people. Guess how many of them came to the second meeting? Come on. I grew the church in our first meeting from 10 to zero. Come on, y'all. I was like, why y'all betraying me? That hurt. That hurt. Thank God for uh, some other pastors in our city. I love that there's pastors in our city who love each other. We encourage each other. We cheer for each other. There's, it's not competitive between us. And it was Pastor Steve Harville from Love of Christ. So I said, man, I don't know what I'm going to do. He said, Michael, God just used those people to give you the courage you needed to pack the truck and move. And now he'll bring the people you need for the next step. I was like, oh, thank you, Pastor Steve. I love it. I love, we cheer for each other, we care. There's no competition. Well, there's a, okay, there's a tiny bit of competition. Pastor Mark Johnson and I pulled up to the same stoplight today on my way to church. <laughs> Pastor the journey, and I rolled down my window, and he's like, hey, that's a big truck. I was like, yeah, man, that's a nice car. He's like, yeah, you want to race? I was like, yes, I do. <laughs> I know we have law enforcement that attends our church, so I'll just say we may or may not have had a, just a little bit of a just see who gets to... I don't know, 30 miles an hour, the fastest. Let's call it 30. Let's go with that. All right. Come on, even if you've been betrayed, he won, by the way, because he's got a little sports car and I'm in a big truck. All right. Won a fair fight. So then at the next light, I was like, for real, I rolled down the window at the next light. I was like, all right, you won that one. You want to do demolition derby now? He's like, no. (laughs) Even Jesus experienced this. He went back to his hometown to try to preach. And the people said, isn't, isn't that just the carpenter? Y'all, this is Jesus. Listen, if they can reject Jesus, they can reject you. This is Jesus. And they say, isn't that just the carpenter? That's Mary's son. Brother James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon. Are, are, aren't his sisters here? With us? What's, like, what's the big deal? In fact, they were even offended. The people were making a big deal about Jesus. And Jesus said to them, only in his hometown, among his relatives and in his own house, is the prophet without honor. Sometimes the people that know you best bring the pain into your life. And I think Joseph would say, don't give up, even if your journey is full of setbacks and surprises. Okay, y'all look at me, give me your eyeballs. I want to give you a prophetic word over your life. It's going to be real encouraging. You will have setbacks and surprises.
It's going to happen. And anybody who teaches you anything else isn't teaching you the Bible. Coming to Jesus doesn't mean everything gets better overnight. It just means Jesus is with you while you're going through the garbage. You don't have to go through it alone. I know we used this passage last week, but it's so good. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Joseph would say, don't give up even if you had a rough start. Don't give up even if you've been betrayed. Don't give up even if you've had setbacks and surprises. And don't give up even if it takes a lot longer than you thought it would. I didn't think it would take nine years for it to look like the dream God gave me. I thought it would happen faster. I've been mad at God about that at times, if I can be completely honest with you. I've had moments where I'm like, God, what the heck? And then he reminds me he's in charge. <laughs> Come on, y'all. He's in charge. Here's what he says through the prophet Habakkuk. These things I plan won't happen right away. Slowly, steadily, Surely, ain't nobody amen in this in their Bible, right? The time approaches when the vision will be, come on, everybody say it, fulfilled. It's, it's going to happen. If it seems slow, don't despair, don't, pre, don't freak out. For these things will surely come to pass. Just be. Yeah, see, I didn't expect you to say it with excitement, because I don't get excited when I read that. I'm like, really? Okay. But this is part of the deal. We trust God, we stay patient, because he works on his clock, not my clock. They will not be overdue a single day. Don't give up. Don't give up, don't give up, don't give up. To which I'm left with a question, I don't know if you are. But if I were hanging out with Joseph and Joseph said, hey, don't give up. If you have a rough start, don't give up. If you've been hurt and betrayed, don't give up. If you had setbacks and surprises, don't give up. If it's taken longer than you thought, don't give up. To which I would say, okay, Joseph, then what do I do while I'm waiting? I'm in the gap right now. I had expectation. My reality is something else. What do I do while I'm waiting? And I think there's so much we can learn from Joseph's life when we're in the gap waiting for the fulfillment of the dream. And I think he would say to us, focus on what happens in you, not to you. Like when you're in the gap, I learned this from Pastor Chris, when something is happening to me, God wants to do something in me. So you've got a choice. When the circumstances don't match your expectations, you can get all caught up in the circumstances or you can go, okay, God, what does that mean? What do you want to... What are you going to teach me through this? What do you want to say to me? How are you going to grow me through this? I, I love this. James chapter 1 verse 2. Consider it pure joy. Come on, wouldn't it? This would be one of the best passages in your Bible if it stopped right there. Right? Come on, who, would, who wouldn't want some pure joy? Come on, do you want some pure joy this morning? Can, I, can you just imagine? Guys, come here. I got to tell you something. Pure joy. And everybody's like, yes, I want pure joy. And James is like, awesome. I'm going to tell you how to get it. And everybody's like, okay, what do I do? You're going to have to face trials of many kinds. 
my gosh, sometimes I read the Bible and I'm like, ah! He says, you're, it's, it's, you're gonna have to, you're gonna have to, look what he's saying, he's like, you gotta train your attitude. You gotta train your attitude, you gotta be ready, because you're gonna go through garbage. You're gonna go through hurt, you're gonna go through disappointment. And so when you face trials of many kinds, you've gotta be reminded that, that it's the testing of your faith that develops what? Perseverance. What did Hebrews chapter 12 say we need to run our race with? Perseverance. So I can't have perseverance without passing some tests. So listen to me, true life. Hey, you gotta, you gotta know this. Every trial is a test. Every trial is a test. Every trial is a test. And I don't know about you, but I always do better on a test when I prepare for it ahead of time. So you gotta decide before it happens. When a trial comes my way, it's just, oh, okay, here we go. Chance to test my faith. Chance for me to trust God. This might hurt a little. I might have to be patient. But it's a test. It's a test. I think Joseph would say, well, you're, while you're waiting in the gap, focus on what's happening in you. Not to you. And I, and I would say, what else, Joseph? What else should I do? I think he would say, well, you've got to remember your response to offense, those people that betray you, actually determines your future. How, how you respond to the pain caused in your life by other people, it's a big deal. It's a choice. You can either join them in the dysfunction or you can keep your heart healthy. Joseph made the, I think one of the reasons God blessed Joseph so much is because he knew all along how Joseph would respond to the pain. In fact, Joseph got his moment of reckoning. God showed Joseph through a dream, through, or through interpreting dreams, that a famine was coming to the land and that they needed to be prepared. And Joseph had, had been given favor finally. He'd worked himself into a position of great authority. And so he, he took it upon himself to prepare for the famine, had stored away food and grain and everything that the people would need. And so famine comes, and Joseph's own family doesn't have food. So Joseph's father sends his brothers, hey, go see if you can find help somewhere. And they end up in front of Joseph not knowing it's their own brother that they had sold into slavery, who they're now at the mercy of. And when Joseph reveals to them who he really is, boy, I'm telling you, they're so lucky they got Joseph and not me. Come on, y'all with me? Oh, you're hungry, are you? Really? What Joseph do? He said, hey, look, you, you, you tried to hurt me. You tried to harm me. But God intended it for good. I love that. That reveals so much about Joseph's attitude. And I like how he doesn't misdirect the blame here. He's not like, well, the devil tried to use you to harm. No, he says, you, you tried to hurt me. Some of us have some people in our lives who have, for whatever reason, because of their own pain, their own dysfunction, they have intentionally tried to bring pain on you. 
And it's okay for you to say, you know what? I know you were trying to hurt me, but it don't matter. God's gonna take what you've tried to do to me and he's gonna use it for good. I love that. I love that. And here's the last thing I think Joseph would say to us while we're waiting in the gap. I think he'd say, hey, listen, every dream has tough times. But you're not alone. God's always gonna be in there with you. He's gonna be walking through it with you. He's got you. The, the psalmist got this. He, he said, if you go up to the heavens, God, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Hey, if you're in the gap right now, he's got you. He's with you. He knows. He hasn't forgotten you. I want to ask you to bow your heads and close your eyes as we wrap up our morning. And if you're listening to this message today here in person or online or listening to a recording later on, maybe you didn't realize. Maybe you didn't realize like God has a dream for you. He has a plan for you. Maybe you didn't realize he wants to be with you as you walk through life. He wants to guide you, direct you. And you've just, you've never surrendered to him. I want to encourage you to go ahead and just take care of that right now. Just talk to him. Just say, hey, Jesus, today I surrender my life to you. You can have it. Please forgive me. for all the time I've spent doing life on my own. From this day forward, my life belongs to you. I believe in my heart and I confess with my mouth, Jesus, you're the Lord. You're the Christ. You're the Messiah. You died on the cross for the sins of humanity and you rose from the dead three days later. And today I receive the free gift of salvation. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name. Keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer today with me for the first time, I want you to listen real close. At the end, I'm going to talk to you about our connection card. Now I want to talk to everybody else. You already have a relationship with Jesus. But you're in the gap. You're dealing with some disappointment. Maybe you got off to a rough start. Maybe you've been betrayed and hurt. Maybe you've had some setbacks. Maybe all of it is taking longer than you thought it would. I want to encourage you today. God wants to do something in you. He wants to help you respond the right way. He's going to stay right by your side until your dream is fulfilled. So let me pray for you today. Lord, I pray for those today who are in the gap of disappointment. 
expectation and reality are far from each other. There's a lot of pain for some people. Frustration, anger, disappointment. I pray that you administer to their hearts today, God. Lord, help us, help us to focus on what you want to do in us. Not what's happening to us, not what's happening around us. Lord, help us to respond with forgiveness and grace when we're hurt, when we've been offended, when we've been betrayed. Lord, help us to remember no matter what we're going through, you will not abandon us. You're with us, and we thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, if you receive it, would you say amen this morning? Amen, amen. Stand to your feet with me, if you would, all across the room. We're going to sing together one last time before we go. But I want to remind you before you do, check out that connection card on the seat pocket in front of you. It's a great way to communicate with us, especially if you made a decision to follow Jesus today. Please, 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 please let us know about that. We want to partner with you to help you take your next steps. Maybe you're kind of new to True Life and you figure out what comes next. Use that connection card. Maybe there's an area of your life you could use some prayer or you need to talk to somebody, or you have questions that need to be answered, use that card. We would love to help you, and we'll make sure it gets in the hands of the right person and you get responded to as quickly as possible, all right? Love you guys. You can drop those in the receptacles in our lobby. There's two of them, black receptacles, where you can drop those. There are also digital versions of those available in the True Life Church of Newark app, and they're being posted in the chat online for those of you doing church online this morning so you can respond to us that way. The same goes for giving. If you want to give in person, those receptacles are available in the lobby and digital options exist as well. Thank you for your faithfulness and your generosity. Man, I love you guys. Come on, can we give Jesus the very best praise that we can before we go? God bless you all. We love you. See you next weekend.